If you don't know, my name is um, Pastor Bobby. I am the kids pastor here at Pursuit, and um, I help a little bit with youth, so that's exciting. And um, I thought I'd answer my question of the day for you, although I might get heckled like Aaron. Um, my a value that I would pass on to my family or my kids is there's really like two types of people in the world, right? Either your toilet paper roll has the, the, the paper hanging over or it's coming out from under, right? And in our house, it's coming over. That is a value we will always hold to. I will teach my kids that, that the other way is wrong. So just pointing that out. I get it if you have like a cat or something and you don't want the whole roll to come down. And Levi, my youngest son, is three and a half and there are times when he's in the bathroom just pulling the toilet paper. So, but, you know, maybe he wouldn't get as far if it was under. But we are over, hang it over toilet paper, toilet paper type of people. So, um, I don't know if that's a real value, but we can talk about that later if you want to. So, um, I'm going to pray for us this morning and then we'll jump into our scripture. <sighs> Lord, show us your heart. Holy Spirit, speak through me. And do all of this for your glory. Amen. So we are on week 11 of our study on the Sermon of the Mount. And if you remember way back to the beginning of chapter 5, where it starts in Matthew, um, Jesus retreats up to a spot to sit. Um, he sits down and he invites his disciples. They follow him and sit with him. Um, and it was very common for rabbis to invite and to sit. That meant they were going to teach you something really important, and it was really time to listen, um, which is what we're doing here today, right? You're sitting, we're teaching, we're listening. Um, Jesus is really kind of laying out this answer to the question of how, as citizens of heaven, are we to live? What will be expected of us as his followers? And if you were here last week, Caitlin spoke, and she... Um, used the phrase that he was introducing this upside-down kingdom, right? A kingdom that seemed backwards to the way that Israel maybe had been living for centuries. He was putting out some new thoughts, and it just didn't, wasn't what it, everyone was used to. He talks about the blessings of those who maybe don't have it all, who are poor, who are overlooked, who aren't often recognized. And Jesus takes this time, and his, his teachings at this point they really paint this holistic picture of a life lived in obedience to Christ. He takes time to lay out a comprehensive plan on how to follow Christ. You see, the Sermon on the Mount is not just simply a list of rules to follow or good ideas to employ in your faith walk. It is rather an invitation, an invitation into a relationship with Christ and an invitation into a relationship to follow him, an invitation to live under grace that God is offering. And when you live under this grace, you will experience the blessings and the struggles from following Christ and from living as a citizen of heaven. So when we follow Jesus and we've accepted him as our Lord and Savior, we are promised eternity with him. We are citizens of heaven, just kind of living in a different zip code, not really quite there yet, right? Like we know we're going to get there, but we're not really like a dual citizenship maybe. We can see throughout this teaching that we've looked at so far that accepting Christ frees us from sin that would have kept us from being with him, but it doesn't make us immune to the struggles 
that everyone has and that comes from living in a fallen world. His teachings demonstrate this. He teaches us about how to handle divorce, how to handle revenge, how to take, what about oaths? Like all of these things that signify to us that we are living in this fallen world and we have a different calling on our lives. Jesus sat with his disciples and taught them the kingdom living way to approach all of these topics. Anger, adultery, divorce, loving your enemies, and maybe how not to judge them. We all struggle with all these topics today. Everyone, you you don't have to be told that life can be hard and that we have these things that we have to struggle with, right? We all deal with them. What makes this different from any other rabbi maybe teaching is God's grace, the active nature of God, the active nature of the Holy Spirit moving in us and around us and with us, supporting us. This supernatural grace of our Savior enables us to live the way that he spoke of. Without his help, we're going to always fall short. It's all about who Jesus is and whose we are. We are his children, and he does love us. The disciples would have been familiar with the requirements and the rituals and the rules that Judaism laid out. They would have been used to being maybe scolded or reprehended by Pharisees or other teachers of the law. And Jesus begins his discourse on inviting people out of ritual living and into relationship living, this upside-down kingdom, a new idea that would have really amazed the disciples. It really is kind of amazing that there's grace, right? We are, he was kind of setting up what it looks like to live in the now and the not yet, right? The, we see the kingdom of God. We are, um, we see God at work. We've seen his, his miracles. We have glimpses of the hope of what is to come, of a world made right where there, we don't have to struggle with these things, that Christ's love covers it all, right? And his blood covers it all for us. But we are not there yet. Christ hasn't returned and made everything perfect again so that we are with him, right? We can see the, the difference. We live in this now, but not yet. We have hope for what is coming. We have hope for who, what Christ is going to be doing, but we still are living with the fallen. We've looked at all of this. This is kind of where we've been coming from through Matthew chapter seven, or chapter five through seven. And we're finally approaching the end of his sermon. Jesus laid all this foundation work, and it comes down to about 23 more verses. And over the next couple weeks, that's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to be looking at a few things um, as we finish finding out what Christ is teaching us and how he's equipping us. But we have a decision to make in this final section. He's going to be teaching us on um, tree, the tree of fruit, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> a tree and its fruit, false prophets, good prophets, right? About true disciples, what true disciples of Christ look like, about how we set up a solid foundation. And we have to see ourselves in this section here. Are we going to be wise in our choices as we walk in our faith? Are we going to choose Christ? Are we for Jesus or are we against him? That's really what it comes down to. We have all of this instruction on how to live this out and then are we going to do it? 
Are we going to follow what he has asked us to? So I want you to turn with me or scroll with me if you're a phone person. (laughs) Um, And you can follow along. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7. This is where um, uh, Caitlin had left off last week, um, and I'm going to read it for us here. You can follow along on the screen too. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. As I pointed out before, the rest of this chapter goes out to talk about true and false prophets, true and false disciples, and how to have a good foundation. And if you were here with us on Easter, Aaron preached of it on um, 7, verses 7 through 12, about asking, seeking, and finding, about prayer, and how much Jesus loves us, and how much he will give us good things, just like a parent would give good things to their children. As we know, this isn't... The first time Jesus teaches on prayer, right? In chapter 6, he lays out a whole bunch of instructions on prayer. We're taught about the Lord's Prayer, how to model our prayers to, Christ, to God and to Christ and, and what we should be asking for him, from him. Sorry. We see Jesus continuing teaching on kingdom living in the real world that he began all the way back in the start of chapter 6. Basic instructions on how to follow Christ how to walk out our faith, how not to judge others, how to handle money, how to pray. In order to follow God's leading, and if we want to truly be disciples of Christ, we need to sit with Jesus and find his heart. I want us to look again at verses 7 and 8. That we ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. We need to get used to asking and seeking and knocking because this is going to ultimately equip us to be his hands and feet. God will give us answers. He will give us direction. He will open doors. He will provide us with the things that we need just like parents give good things to their children. He will take care of us But what have we been asking God for? Have we been asking God for anything? Have we been sitting with him, talking to him, engaging with him, taking time out of our lives to do that? What doors are we looking to have open? And have you asked God which ones those should be? See, faith is believing for what God wants, not for what I want, not for what you want. It's believing in what God wants for us. He has good things for us. He has direction for us. He has a calling for us, right? 
Sometimes I think we pray for things that we want to see, right? <laughs> we, we expect things that we want to have happen. We just really don't want our car to break down because we really got to get somewhere, right? Instead of pausing and taking time to ask, well, God, what are you doing today and where do I need to stop and forget my schedule and follow yours? See, we are to be people that are led by the Spirit. We don't lead the Spirit, The Spirit, the Holy Spirit should lead our lives. We should trust in him and follow him. And if you're not really used to engaging with the Holy Spirit, uh, for some of you, you might know this, but I did grow up more on the Pentecostal side of things. (laughs) Yeah, nice. (laughs) Um, There's one with me. Okay, um, we're not bringing flags back or anything. But um, (laughs) if you're not used to engaging with the Holy Spirit, it can be very intimidating and very scary and very overwhelming to open up your hands and say, do what you will. But the more that you do it, the more that you invite him in, the more that you engage with him, the easier it gets, actually. So what type of faith do you have? Are you one that's trying to lead God to where you want to go and where you think it needs to happen? Or are you letting the Spirit lead you? What doors are you looking to have open? Are they the same as Christ's? We are not only called to have faith in Christ, but we also are to be his hands and feet. We are also to, called to do the work that he has for us here and now. Even though we are looking towards heaven, there's stuff here that needs to happen that he needs us to help with. In verse 12, Jesus goes on to say, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. When I was reading this, it was like surprising, like, oh, he just in one sentence described everything that happens in the Old Testament. Like, it's kind of amazing to me that everything you do, do to others what you would have them do to you. And so often we are super busy, right? We, uh, we get, and maybe even in our lives when we're doing things and we're running around and we have these relationships with people and it's broken and we get hurt and we get guarded and we get angry and we get sad, right? And we treat relationships sometimes as a, I'll do something for you if you do something for me type of relationship. I think we all can maybe think of someone that might be that way in our lives, right? That I will only if, only if that they, you know, help me out later, or only if, you know, they're going to show up on time and be ready to help me right away because I'm busy and I got to do stuff, right? The amazing thing is, is that there's no if with Jesus. Jesus didn't give us an if when we chose to follow him. I will only extend my grace to you if... If you live a blameless life, I'm only going to give my uh, grace to you if you maybe aren't that bad of a human, right? This grace is just given freely, and we can accept it no matter what. Christ didn't give us the example of putting that if in on a relationship. So why do we do this in our own? Why do we sit and give qualifications to how we're going to help people and how we're going to engage with others. And I get it. There are some times that it is a relationship that, need, that isn't healthy and you need to back off, right? 
That, that happens. But I feel like, especially since COVID, I feel like there's this, we become very guarded with ourselves and our time. It really did something to us, right? And in some cases, we, we just say no right away because we know that if we say yes to everything, we're going to get super busy again. But God is asking you to be his hands and feet, and he is asking you to step out with him, and he is asking you to ask him what to do. Because I guarantee you the yeses you say, if they, are God, if they are honoring God and you have asked him and he has given you direction to say those yeses, those are going to give you life and they're going to give you joy. They're going to maybe be hard sometimes, but they're going to do those things for you. What I notice here, too, in this in Scripture and how it's laid out is that as Christ is teaching on it, he is telling us to treat others, right? Immediately after he's teaching about God's goodness and about God's willingness to give. And this is our call as well, that we are to give and love others with the way that Christ has loved us. We are to help them the way that Christ has helped us. And we might even be, like, super tired right now. I know, like, when you have kids, sometimes you don't get enough sleep, and sometimes, like, you have tons of things going on, and, and it's May, so that means it's, like, the December of the year. It's, like, second December, right? Like, where you're super busy, sports is starting up, there's graduations, there's tons of things, and May, I feel like it's just this, you don't know how, but you have something happening every day, Right? And maybe we're thinking about soccer practice starting and having to take the kids and, oh, and you can't forget you have to make that doctor's appointment or the dentist's appointment, right? Like all of these things are going through your brain. And maybe even right now some of you are thinking about what you need to plan for dinner this week and how many groceries you have to get. And are you just going to do an Instacart order or should you run in and grab it, which will be faster, and will they even get it right? Well, maybe this is, maybe this is just my list in my head, right? <laughs> I'm to be honest, there are, that is my list. I wrote it down. Um, <laughs> right? And, and, and we have all these things, and we're trying to follow Christ. I think that's where we have it backwards. The and following Christ shouldn't be the last on our list. It should be the first. It should be the first thing that we do when we're asking, and we're living, and we're following who he is and what he has for us. I mean, it says it right here, ask, seek, knock, and the door will be open to you. Everything will fall into place. We'll know how to treat others. We'll know how to deal with our anger in that moment. We'll know how to um, take time and set time for prayer and fasting, right? Our lives will demonstrate how to follow Christ. The fruit we produce will honor God. How we treat others will honor God. Sometimes I think we forget the call that Jesus puts on our lives is more about our character than anything else. It's not about a call. It's not about a career. It's not about any of that. It's about who we are and whose we are and how we live that daily. See, Jesus has led, up to this, led us up to this point, and now we have to make these decisions. He's going to take the next couple sections here at the end, and he's going to just lay it out. Who are you following? A false prophet or a real prophet? Who 
are you? Are you a true disciple of Christ or are you not? Do you have a firm foundation? Are we for Jesus or are we against him? Are we going to be wise in our decisions in following him? Are we going to choose what builds our character instead of taking the easy way? See, he continues on. If you look in verse 13 and 14, Jesus lays it out. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few will ever find it. This is very common in Old Testament a teaching or in like Romans and Greeks. They often employed this image of two paths. This would have been very familiar to the disciples, that there's two paths to choose, and you choose, right? So when I think, so when I was thinking about all of this, right, like, um, I was actually talking with Pastor Mark, and he gave me this image of like a conveyor belt as like the, the wide path, right? We're just all on this automatic, you know, we're just getting moved on, and it's wide, and it's broad, and it's easy. I also thought of, I don't know, it's, I didn't realize how old of a movie it is, but I thought of this movie Wally. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's 2008, so it's, I guess that's old now, right? I don't know. I don't feel like it is. Anyway, um, and <laughs> it's about this, the earth is no longer inhabitable, right? And so there's this robot that's living on it, and he's taking care of it, and then someone, co- like this other robot, comes back to see if they, that people can come back. So all the people are living in this spaceship, and they just are sitting in these chairs that move them around everywhere, and they just have food given to them, and they talk to everyone on a screen right here, right? They don't have to get up and walk anywhere, and they actually can't walk when they first, like, spoiler, sorry, at the end. They can't walk. They have, like, this thing that they fall off, and they're trying to get around because their bones, like, I guess don't work anymore. I don't know how it all works, but they've been sitting and following this, this plan laid out for them that they haven't chosen and it's messed with them, and it hasn't been difficult for them. They've had the easy way, and so they just kind of turn into jelly, I guess, is the analogy. I don't know what, where we want to go with that. Sorry, I'll get back to here. Okay, so. But they, they've, taken the, they've had this easy way, and they haven't had it difficult. And the Lord warns us against this, right, that there is a narrow way, that there is a way that's going to be hard, and it's going to be dif- difficult. I really like the way the message translates this section of scripture. If you haven't, if you, if you've been reading the Beatitudes and uh, the Sermon on the Mount, go back and read it through the way that Eugene Peterson and the message translated. It's just a little bit different and it's just kind of fun. And um, it gives a different perspective on some things. And for verses 13 and 14, this is the way that the message translates it. It says, don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff. Even though crowds of people do, the way to life, to God, is vigorous and requires total attention. The way to life and to God is vigorous and requires total attention. 
I wish I could say that I have climbed a mountain. I know there are people here that have. Or ran a marathon. I know that's something that a lot of people do as well. Um, but I have done some hiking, so it makes me kind of a professional. And I have ran a few 5Ks. Yeah, 5Ks, right? <laughs> um, mostly fun runs, right? But <laughs> to be honest, when you're hiking, sometimes it actually does feel like you've like, climbed a mountain. You know, like you started out and you're like, oh, this is going to be a fun morning hike. And then you're like, what did we do? Right? You get lost. You get halfway through and you're like, we have halfway. We can't go back. Right? But we need to. So you just continue on. Right? And about running. Okay. I'm not a runner. Right? I tried it. What is with runner's high? Like you run and you feel good. There's like endorphins at the end of it. That is not how my body works. I don't get people that have those runners high. Like, like, if only, right? If only it felt good after I ran and I could be like, yes, this is awesome, then I would probably be a runner, right? But that doesn't happen for me. Um, my first 5K I was running, my goal was to run the whole thing, right? And to not, to not walk, to run the whole thing and to finish, I didn't want to walk. That was my only thing. Even if I was running slower than walking, I was going to continue running, right? And I can proudly say that that didn't happen. I did not accomplish that. <laughs> I did end up walking. <laughs> but I did finish, so that was awesome. And I have ran a couple. Yeah, thank you, a couple. And I did run the whole thing like my second time, maybe my third. Yeah. But... Um, I've also gotten the opportunity to like hike at the Continental Divide outside of Denver. I took a youth group mission trip out there um, to Denver, and like we took a morning before we were driving back home, and I we drove halfway up, and we got to the big sign, you know, where you can get out and you kind of look, and all the kids were like, "We want to climb." I'm like, "Okay, I did not check this out beforehand. I don't know what's going to happen. Is this going to lead to bad things? I don't know, but we're going to do it." And so there were kids just climbing and going up, and I, you know, I graciously took the end of the line with some of those kids that were not athletic, that you could tell. Um, and then the kids that were athletic were like, Psh. you could also tell which kids were smoking more than they should have been, which is any, because they also, you're like, they're athletic, but they're not moving very fast. Anyway, so <laughs> there were conversations later after we did this. Anyway, um, so we were, we were climbing, and we get to the, this crest part. There was still a peak higher up, and some of the kids went up there, and then I had them come back down. Luckily, they could still hear me yell at them. But we got to this crest, and it was just beautiful, like overlooking God's creation in a way that you'd never imagine seeing. And we got to sing some songs, some worship songs, and read a few psalms, and it was just beautiful. And then we had to come back down, and that was very difficult um, you really had to pay attention to where you were stepping, right? You really had to, um, you really, well, I was, again, at the end, and I was just really praying that the person who led in front, one of my youth interns, was choosing the right way down because we were all just following them. And it even got to the point where sometimes you just had to sit, you just wanted to sit and slide because you felt that was going to be easier, otherwise you are just going to tip end over end and just keep going, Right? I say this all to say that this is also a lot like following Christ, that sometimes we're just hoping for that person in front of us that's just picking the right path instead of us just stopping and asking God, which way am I supposed to go? 
how am I supposed to finish this race? Am I supposed to walk for a while so I can finish the race, or should I just keep pushing through? And I think one thing that we often take for granted is that Christ said that he would be with us. And we're so used to this, right? We get to have Christ with us, but we don't often take advantage of it. We just pay it lip service and be like, oh yeah, Christ isn't around. He's, the Holy Spirit's here. He's, you know. But we don't have to engage and invite him with us. The Holy, Spout, uh, the Holy Spirit will empower you. But the gate is going to be narrow and the road will be difficult to walk out our faith and to be the hands and feet to others. There will be heartbreak. There will be joy. There will be sadness, but there will be a love of Christ that surpasses all understanding when you follow him. If getting into heaven through this whole thing is our only goal of being a Christian, if that was what it was about, we'd already be there. If you've accepted Christ, you'd be gone. Right? If that was the goal, because he'd take you. You get to be there. It's all done. You already know what, what you need to know, and then you're gone, right? But why do we always, or why do we seem to still live like that is our goal? Doing just enough to make sure that if I pass away today or tomorrow, that I'm going to get to heaven. Instead of embracing and walking through this narrow gate and living a full life with Christ and the Holy Spirit empowering us. Maybe running just fast enough where it's still running. (laughs) So my question is, how have you been idle in your faith? Where have you been maybe taking the broad road? Sitting in those seats where you don't have to do any work and just having a screen right here and everything's just fed to you. Where have you put that down and taken hard steps? Gotten on your knees, seeked God for things. Because this is what Christ is leading us to, making these decisions and following what he has for us and following his plan and his calling on our life. Where have you been asking for what you want instead of asking for what God has? Have you seen fruit in your life? There is evidence, fruit of the Spirit. It's one of those songs that you maybe learn in Sunday school or verses you memorize. That's an actual thing. Where do you see fruit in your life? Where do you see peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control? Is that evident in your relationship with others? Are you employing those as you engage with others and help others? Do you see those things, or are they missing? So as we will be soon finishing the Sermon on the Mount, I want to challenge you to find time to sit, to make the decision, are you for Jesus or are you against? And what does it look like if you're for taking small steps in obedience to what he has for you. Uh, my husband likes to listen to classic rock when he's working on cars in, in the garage. And so sometimes I get to hear songs that I never grew up with. <laughs> and as I was preparing this sermon, a song kept popping into my head um, from the, uh, a great Minnesotan songwriter, uh, Bob Dylan. And you got to serve somebody. Is a song that he wrote, and it's all about how you're going to have to serve somebody. Here's the chorus. 
But you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. It's, it's, very, it's a very deep song here. <laughs> well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. You're, how you choose and how you're walking out your faith and how you're inviting others in and how you're engaging with culture, all of this is your showing Christ who you're choosing, him or everything else. How are you going to break out of your cycle of what you've been doing and let God in? Because we all have our cycles, right? We all have our systems. We all have our, our, well, we have to have this on Monday and this on Tuesday. And, you know, like we all have these schedules that demand our attention. And we have to break out of them. So what are steps you're going to take to break out of yours? Because you have one, even if you're like, no, I'm good, telling you you have one. And how are you going to step out in that? Are you going to maybe take some baby steps? Like maybe next Sunday at worship, you're just going to be a little bit more open to what God is trying to tell you instead of just being maybe, I'm just going to kind of stand here. I'm supposed to be here. Like maybe actually sit and say, Lord, what do you have? Maybe even raise a hand. I know. I would be so excited if someone raised their hand with me. (laughs) I don't always get to be in here, but right? Like how are you going to open up in worship just a little bit more to him and invite him in? Maybe, maybe not swearing around your kids. Maybe that's where you're at this week because there are some weeks there's more swears than others, right? <laughs> Especially with kids. <laughs> maybe, maybe, you need to, maybe you need to set up a pray every morning time. I know that's very cliche. Like I did youth groups for years and I would never let kids be like, I'm going to start a devotional time. I'm like, no, you're not. What are you actually going to do? Because it never worked. I would encourage them to and I would try to help them and text them and remind them I wasn't, I didn't just leave them and tell them they couldn't. But (laughs) maybe that's what you could do if you do need to pray. Find someone to text you in the morning, a prayer partner. That actually works wonders. Maybe you have some big things. Maybe you already spend a lot of time and you've set up your life where you have time with Christ. And maybe you need to look what fruit of the Spirit you haven't been demonstrating in certain areas. Or maybe you need to take a time to sit and fast over a decision that needs to happen. I know fasting is kind of this like mysterious thing that we all know we should do, but we don't maybe actually take a lot of time to do it unless it's Lent and you maybe grew up in a liturgical setting, but you can do fasting whenever. So maybe you need to turn off your phone during certain hours so that you can focus on Christ. Fast from that. Doesn't always have to include food, right? The more that you open up your heart and the more that you give God agency to be there and be in your life and work within you, actually the more you're going to understand him and the more you're going to understand his heart and what he has for you, right? The more your character is going to develop into who he has called you because he created you and the more you get to know him, the more you actually find out who you are. I know it seems a little backwards, but the more that you spend time with him, the more you're going to find out exactly who you are and who he wants you to be and what he's calling you, and it'll be glorious, and it'll be great, and you'll find things that you didn't even know that you love just because Christ has showed them to you. I mean, how else do you realize that you love middle schoolers and, like, hanging out with them? Because that's a weird thing, and we're not all there, and that's where I like to live, right? <laughs> but who better to trust with your life than him? 
because he's going to give you good things and you have it. You can have him and he's going to fill you with that grace and that love and empower you to do it. I'm going to pray. Lord, you are great. You are so awesome. You are so holy and worthy to be praised. I am in awe of who you are and how much you love us and all the things that you do for us and the way that you take care of us. You are our healer and you are our provider and our protector. Lord, I just really ask that you would be those things for us this week. That you would heal us from things that might be causing us pain and contributing to maybe doubting you. That you would provide us with our daily bread so that we could focus on what you want for us. That you would provide us with peace and love so that we can find you and follow you. Father, I'd ask that you would protect us from the devil and his schemes. That you would protect us from getting distracted by the easy way the wide path, just following everyone to wherever it leads. Father, Lord, help us so that our total attention can be taken by you. Lord, lead us so that we can fully and confidently say yes to what you have. Yes, I can treat others the way that you do with unfathomable love and mercy so that I can say yes to this narrow road that I know is going to be hard, but I know you're going to be with me and that you are calling me to it. Father, I just thank you for all that you have done and all that you are doing. Father, help us to ask from you this week, what do you want in my life, Lord? That I want to choose you. Lord, meet us where we are at. Guide us in our next steps and take us to the path that leads to you. We ask all this in your name. And everybody said, amen. amen.